guys, up until that time, death was the undefeated foe. Death was the one thing that nobody had an answer for. It was the one thing that everybody feared. It was the one thing that could not be overcome. It was absolutely the period at the end of the sentence. But then Jesus said, there's something different. There's something after this. And that period was turned into a comma. Okay? Because God changed everything. When Jesus said, I will defeat death. And you know what? I was encouraged by the reminder this morning we got together and we prayed before this service. And and I'm reminded of the scriptures that say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and I as believers. So as believers, we have tremendous opportunity. We have tremendous authority. We have tremendous power because that same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, it dwells in you and me today. And that's something to celebrate. That's something to get excited about. Amen? So let's read that amazing story. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. Now, each one of the four Gospels tell this story, but, um, but we're just going to, uh, to look at Luke's Gospel this morning. Luke chapter number 24, verses 1 through 12. I'm reading out of the King James Version this morning, and it says this. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices that they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was in Galilee? saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day shall rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the leaven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher and stooped down. He beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. You see, guys, what they heard was so astonishing. It was so unbelievable that they didn't believe it. You ever heard something that you didn't believe? Man, look, even the followers of Jesus, even though Jesus had said, this is what I'm going to do, when it happened, J.D., they couldn't believe it. They were blown away. Peter said, i got to see it for myself. And he ran that way, and he saw it for himself, and he still just thought to himself, how can this be? But you see, guys, Jesus said it could be. And if Jesus says it could be, it can be. Amen? If Jesus says it can be done, it can be done. If Jesus said it, we can believe it. You see, guys, I've chosen to live my life by a different set of principles. I recognize some of these folks that I went to high school with, and I'm a little different than I was in high school. Okay? In high school, I was a big football player. I was a tough guy. I was, I was, uh, Greg, you'll get a kick out of this. I was introduced this week by, uh, uh, by someone to, he introduced me to his son, and he said, Mo was a great football player. I was like, whoa, now, <laughs> okay. I was an okay football player. I wasn't a great football player, but, but I was a tough guy. I was a rough guy around the edges, Casey. We, we would have got along pretty good way back in the day, okay? You know what's neat? Now that we're both a little different, we still get along pretty good, don't we? But here's the deal. I've changed. 
Why did I change? Not because of me, not even because of that pretty girl on the front row, even though she helped. It's because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead made something alive in me too. Changed something in me too. And because He did it for me, He can do it for you as well. Amen? Let's pray this morning that the Lord would absolutely have His way and that, that He would just activate faith in your life. Because you know what, guys? All of us need faith. All of us need that certain ingredient that makes everything else work. And for the Christian, that certain something is faith. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for what today represents. I thank you for each and every person here. And I ask right now that you would absolutely have your way. Lord, we're celebrating today that your son, Jesus Christ, is not dead and gone, but he's alive and he's risen. In fact, he's seated at the right hand of you today. And I pray right now that you would activate faith in each and every one of our hearts and lives so that we would never be the same. Touch us today. Anoint the preaching of this word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen. Again, guys, he's risen today. So what I want to do is, for this morning's message, I'd like to form an acrostic using the word risen to further expound on this most amazing fact that Jesus Christ is truly risen from the grave and why this is important to you. You know, I could just talk about facts today, but at the end of the day, how does it equate to you? Why is this important to you? Well, guys, i got to challenge you. It's very important to each and every one of us. So let's look at this, uh, the, the word risen and talk about that a little bit more. The R. The R stands for the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. This one miraculous act validates all of Christ's claim as to who he was and what he came to do. He said he was the Son of God. He said he was the Messiah. He said he came to reconcile us back to the Father. He came to do some miraculous things. And he also said that he was going to raise himself from the dead. Now guys, look. We can hear some pretty preposterous strings sometimes. We can hear some things that just blow our mind. We hear some things sometimes that are hard to grasp. I can imagine when people heard Jesus say that three days after his death, he was going to raise from the dead, they were like, hmm, all right, (laughs) okay, we're going to see how this is going to go. But guys, the resurrection changes everything. It was a game changer. Today is the day that sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. You see, if you'd like to, you can go visit the tomb of just about every other leader of our major world religions. Buddhists visit Buddha's tomb. Muslims worship at Muhammad's tomb. Mormons honor their founder, John Smith, at his tomb. The list could go on and on and on. But friends, I submit to you today that there is no tomb with the remains of a body for us as Christians to go visit. Because Jesus rose from the dead just like he said he would do. In fact, he didn't even bother buying a tomb, Blaine. He just borrowed one. He didn't figure he'd need it very long, okay? He just borrowed it. People say a lot of things. Sometimes they keep their word, sometimes they don't. Have you ever met someone who didn't keep their word? You ever worked with somebody who maybe over-promised and under-delivered? Who maybe said, J.D., here's what I can do. 
They just wanted a job and they said, if, if, if it has a wheel, I can drive it, okay? If it can hook, if it can get on a trailer, I can haul it. You ever had somebody say those kind of things? And then you realize they couldn't even fill up the back of a pickup truck, okay? They just, they overpromised, they underperformed. Their mouth got them in a whole lot of trouble. Now, teenagers, I could talk to you for a minute about this, but I won't, okay? How many in here remember as teenagers, your mouth got you in a whole lot of trouble? I used to have a saying, Greg, you might remember this. Your body is, your mouth is writing checks, your body can't cash. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. Your mouth is writing checks, your body can't cash. Okay. Some of you parents, you might just want to save that one to tell your teenager that one day. Okay. But here's the thing. Our mouths can get us in a lot of trouble. We say things that, that we don't necessarily mean or we, we exaggerate or whatever the case may be. But here's the thing, guys. Jesus was not like that. In fact, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. God can't lie. When God says he's going to do something, you can take it to the bank. When God says you can do something, you can take it to the bank. Amen? You see, guys, people say some pretty crazy things. They overpromise, they underdeliver, but not so with Jesus. He told his followers several times that he would die, and three days later he would rise again, and then he did it. Friends, that's a promise made and a promise kept. That's a game changer. Consider for a moment uh, this devotion that's actually in today's God's words for you today. This is a little devotion that we, we give out here at the church. And it reminds us that the resurrection changes everything. You see, the great Houdini promised that he'd come back from the dead and talk to his friends. Some actually consulted mediums to see if there was any word from beyond the grave. Guess what? There wasn't. <laughs> Only one man who promised to rise from the dead kept his promise, and that's Jesus. And he did it for a reason, to make us right with God. You see, business transactions in the Bible days were really pretty uncomplicated. Once the seller laid down a price and the buyer picked it up, the deal was done. Well, on Good Friday, Jesus laid down the price. On Easter Sunday, God picked it up, and your salvation was paid for. You see, the greatest proof of the resurrection is found in the transformed lives of people all across this world. The songwriter A.H. Ackley put it this way, You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. You see, in one of his final appearances recorded in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Today, Jesus stands knocking at the door of your heart saying, if any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come in. Unless you know Christ personally as your Lord and Savior, you're without hope in this world and the one to come. The resurrection of Christ is our only hope. Without that, you have nothing to look forward to but a hole in the ground. So today, repent of your sins and place your trust in the one who died and rose again just for you. That's why the resurrection changed everything. Amen? You see, guys, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. What's church all about? We make church about a whole bunch of different things. We make it about preachers. We're certainly not going to do that here, okay? Not with a preacher like me. Some people make it all about music. Well, we could do that because we got pretty good music, but we're not going to do that. Some people make it all about programs, make it all about what we can do for your kids. And and we're going to do some good things for your kids, but we're not going to make it all about that. 
We're going to make LCC Berwick about one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto himself. So the resurrection, friends, changes everything. Let's look at the letter I. The letter I in risen stands for I can be changed. Change is hard. Nobody really likes it. Believe it or not, even your pastor, who, who is used to facilitate so many changes, doesn't even like change, okay? I like the things the way things are, okay? How many are like that? How, we're all like that, okay? Man, man, nobody likes change, except maybe a baby with a dirty diaper. And then even he or she cries when you try to change it, as if to say, it's mine, it's warm, and I want to keep it. Can anybody relate? I mean, nobody likes change, okay? We... Uh, um, I was talking to a few men this morning that, that had a little change in their hairlines, okay? Now, I'm not talking to you bald folks, okay? Some of you got, 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 got hurt over that. I get over it. I was talking to some, some guys who maybe allowed their wives to, sh- to cut their hair. Okay, Chad, I'm not talking about you, okay? But, uh, but, 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 but it looks like they took a little too much off the sides, okay? Now, I'm not going to say who I was talking to, Brother Bernie, but, I, but I, I'm sorry, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got to watch what you tell the preacher, okay? Um, but here's the deal, guys. They, they change things, okay? And sometimes those changes are for the good. Sometimes they're for the better. Some of you went out shopping and you got some beautiful new outfits. And don't y'all look good today? Guys, let's just give our girls a hand because don't they look good today? Come on, Blaine. A little louder. There you go. And y'all look good today. We only let the pretty people in today. Greg's going, well, Mo, what you doing up there? Well, I'm the preacher. They got to let me in, Okay. But here's the deal, guys. You can be changed. All of us can change. I read a book about change, and and Mark Batterson in the introduction or in the foreword to the book said this about change. The single most important characteristic about human life is having the capacity to change. When we stop changing, we die. It's that simple. Unfortunately, many people, even those who believe in Jesus, don't believe they have the capacity to change. They know they need to, but they often feel powerless to do it. I've seen this attitude time and time again throughout my ministry, Mark writes. People who find find a life full of abundance, passion, and satisfaction are people who believe in the power of change. They improve their minds, change their habits and decisions, and put into action what they believe to be truth. He continues, I believe change is possible for you too. It starts with recognizing the change you need to make, choosing to take the steps necessary for the change to take place, and then keep keeping the change and choosing not to slip back into your old habits and hang-ups. When we believe that real change is possible, we experience a power and a confidence that will carry us through the changes we need to make today. The author in his introduction to the book, Change Before You Have To, says, change before you have to. Think about it. Do you really do that? You probably have a sense of something in your life that you'd like to change. The mere fact that you picked up this book and turned a few pages tells me you're curious, which means you're wondering if the things you've been wanting to change about yourself, your family, your job, are possible. Let me cut to the chase. Whatever it is you want to change is possible. And the life you've always wanted is within your reach. It really is. Change is so worth it, but it's scary. Most people approach the idea of change with anxiety, frustration, and resistance. 
Change means we must admit that something in our life hasn't measured up to what we think it could or should be. For some people, the decision not to change could result in significant, even life or death circumstances. But for most people, the changes we want to make are subtle and somewhat under the radar. In fact, most people who don't know us very well might not even recognize some of the things we want to change about ourselves. Without making the change, however, we must settle for a life that falls short of our expectations. That is not my hope for you. That's also not God's hope for you as well. God did not promise to give us only life. He promised life with all abundance and fullness. He intended from the very beginning of creation. That promise is available to each of us today if we choose to change. You still don't like change? Guys, we got to realize that change is necessary. Things will naturally change, okay? How many hairlines have changed? How many body types have changed, okay? There was a day, John, I would flex, and I felt good about that. No longer is that the case, okay? I let Hayden flex for me, okay? He looks better doing it. There was a day I'd get in the mirror, CJ, and I'd kind of kind of flex a little. I avoid mirrors, okay? The only reason we have mirrors in the house is for my pretty wife, okay? Not for me. I avoid those things. Things change. Our belt size changes. Blaine, our ability to post up in basketball changes. Our jump shot changes. And Landon, stop teasing your daddy, okay? But things change, okay? The Bible is full of changed lives. The Bible is absolutely full of changed lives. Just for a moment, just consider one of the people that we talked about in our, in our message this morning. Consider Peter. Consider Peter for a moment. Peter was a big mouth fisherman. You ever met a big mouth fisherman? Okay, I got one or two in my family, okay? We meet folks like that, okay? Big mouth, always got something to say. They just, they can grate you sometimes. Um, they can grate you, Seth. You, you've worked with those type before. They just kind of get on your nerves. They, they don't have it all together. And, and, and then here's the amazing thing. Jesus said, you are Peter, a rock. That dude was far from a rock, man. He was up and down. He was all over the map. He's the same guy that said, Jesus, I'll never forsake you. I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. And then he couldn't even stand up to a little old servant girl. Couldn't even stand up for Jesus when, when, when all he had was a little girl questioning who he was. But here's the thing that God did. God did something special in that boy's life. And he took him from where he was then to Acts chapter number 2 where Peter stands up and preaches a sermon and 3,000 people respond. Guys, I've done some pretty good altar calls. I hope that in about 10, 15 minutes I do another pretty good altar call. But I've never seen 3,000 folks respond. Blaine, I ain't never seen an altar call like that. I've never seen that kind of faith be activated. But God used a guy like Peter. Why? Because he was willing to change. And if God can use a guy like Peter, guess what? He can use a guy like you. He can use a lady like you. He can use each and every one of us in this place today. God can use you if you're willing to change. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is passed away. Everything, say everything, everything becomes new. This sanctuary today is full of people who've allowed the Lord to change their lives. Former alcoholics, substance abusers, fornicators, adulterers, gossips, liars, former thieves, some pretty mean and nasty people 
once were the case in this place today, who've all been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. By the way, most of those things I just described once described this preacher right here. But then I let God change me. I let something miraculous happen in my life. I allowed faith to be activated, and it's changed everything. And guys, if God can change me, He can change you as well. Amen? He's in the changing business. God can do it if you will let Him. Here's the amazing thing. God won't force Himself. He's God. He could. He could force your hand, but He's not like that. He wants you to willingly say, I need your help, God. I want to be different. And guys, if you'll come to that place in your life, He'll do everything you need Him to do. He'll change everything. The I stands for I can be changed. The S in risen stands for salvation is available. Salvation is available. You see, our sins separate us from a holy and a perfect God. But Jesus came to bridge this separation between us and God. In the book of John, we have an interaction between Jesus and a religious leader. And Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he told him that it was necessary that he be born again. And he didn't quite understand all that. And he began to explain to him that he was not talking about a physical rebirth. He was talking about a spiritual rebirth. And in verse, chap- in verse number 16, you know this scripture. I mean, you may, this may be your first time at church and you've probably heard this scripture before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I want to continue reading, because in verse 17 it says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, guys, God loves you. God wants a relationship with you, and that's why He sent His Son. He didn't send His Son to condemn the world. He sent His Son so that through Him we might be saved. Verse 18 continues, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, for he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only one begotten Son of God. You see, guys, it's all about faith. It's all about belief. Belief in Jesus. Belief that salvation is available. Paul continues in Ephesians chapter number 2. In Ephesians chapter number 2, let me begin reading in verse number 4. Paul writes, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love whereby He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins. Let that sink in, guys. On your worst day. Greg, on my worst day. On our worst day together. Chad, on your worst day, God still loved us. You know what's something that's amazing to me? God doesn't love me any more today than he did back in high school, even though I'm doing a little better than I was then. He doesn't love me any more or less. His love for us is constant. But here's the miraculous thing. He loves us too much to leave us where we are. He loves us too much to leave us in the spiritual condition that we are today. He loved me too much to continue to let me flounder in life. But even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus." Baby, and you'll like this part. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How many in here like gifts? I like gifts. 
I really, Amber, you like gifts, huh? You got a little graduation coming up. Blaine, gifts, okay? She likes gifts, okay? Give gifts to the graduate, okay? We all like gifts. Do we do anything to deserve gifts? Now, I know you're like, hey, I'm graduating high school, but we all did that, okay? Really? Lonzo, when we get gifts on our birthday, what do we really deserve? We just had another birthday, another day, okay? Somebody like, you feel a year older? No, I feel a day older, okay? But here's the deal. We We don't deserve gifts, teenagers. You don't deserve gifts. You need to treat us parents a little better. But here's the deal. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before has ordained that we should walk in them. You see, guys, when God comes into a man's life, he changes everything. When God comes into your life, he proves proves that salvation is available and possible and real. Grace is God's part, his unmerited favor. Faith is your part, believing that he can and he will. When they combine, not only is salvation available, but it becomes real in each and every one of our lives. Grace is God's part, faith is our part. They need to come together, because salvation is available. Salvation is available, Romans 10 and 13 tells us, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved shall be changed. S, salvation is available. The letter E of risen reminds us that everybody needs Christ's help. Say everybody. Everybody. What does that mean? It means everybody. It means all of us. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are righteous. No, not one. We're all in the same boat. Who here finds it hard to ask for help? Anybody? Anybody finds it hard to ask for help? Thank you, Hayden. Okay? He thinks he knows it all. Okay? We, we, we all have trouble asking for help. Any guys in here have trouble asking for directions? Oh, I got this. Okay? Look, if, if I put that little map on and it sounds like a woman's voice, I, I say turn that voice down. Okay? I don't like women telling me what to do. I don't like men telling me what to do. I just don't like being told what to do. I remember one time I shared with my parents that, Dad, I, I, Mom, what do you think about me going to the military? My dad said, boy, you'll spend a lot of time in the brig. Okay? That was his way of saying he knew me and knew I had trouble with people telling me what to do. One of my favorite sayings is somebody in our family once said, came back to his parents, teenager, you'll love this, okay? He said, I'm sick and tired of you telling me what to do. I just joined the Marine Corps. (laughs) Just let that one sink in for just a moment. Casey, he was tired of people telling him what to do, so he joined the Corps. Bless his heart, okay? Bless his heart. All of you Southerners know what I mean when I say bless his heart. But here's the deal, guys. Everybody needs Christ's help. In the book of Hebrews, we talk about, it talks about why Jesus is qualified to help us. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest which is passed under the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You see, Jesus wants to help you in every area of your life. Why? 
Because he understands. He's been there. He knows what you're going through. Especially in the all-important area of our spiritual lives, we all need Christ's help. Because Romans 3 and 23 tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, there's that gift thing again, the gift of God is eternal life. Here are at least least three reasons why everybody here needs Jesus' help in this life. Number one, because we all have a past. Every one of you in here have a past. We all have a past. Could you imagine for a moment if your past would come up on that screen? If we'd show all the times, Fabian, that, that, that you came up a little short of the grace of God. We'd have to send all the children out, okay? Because that would not be appropriate. We'd be here for a little while. You wouldn't want Mama Gill to see all that, would you? You wouldn't even want Brittany to see that, okay? You've told her most of it, but it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. The good news is we're not putting any of that on TV tonight, okay? But here's the deal. We all have a past, don't we? We all have a past. And you can't go back, but he can. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can walk into those places of sin and failure, wipe the slate clean, and give you a new beginning. And that's exactly what he did for Fabian. It's exactly what he did for Mo Seneca. It's exactly what he's done for so many of you in here today. So why do you need Jesus' help? Because we all have a past. Secondly, we all could use a friend. Jesus knows the worst about you, yet he believes the best in you. He knows the worst about you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Why does he love us? Why does he care for us? Because he sees you not as you are, but as you will one day be when he gets through with you. Let that sink in. You see, guys, when I was a nut in high school and I was trying to do kind of some crazy stuff, God saw past all that nonsense, Blaine. Aren't you glad he saw past all your nonsense? Jill, aren't you glad he saw past all your nonsense? He saw past what we were into what we could become. And I look around this congregation today and I say, go God, go. Man, look at what God has done. I see Fabian, I see Casey, I see John, I see Mario. The list could go, I see this couple up here. I see each and every one of us. We're all portraits of God's amazing grace. But here's the thing, Sister Valley, he ain't done with us yet. Amen? He's still putting the finishing touches on the masterpiece that we are. We all need a friend like Jesus. Another reason you need Jesus is because he holds your future. You see, who else are you going to trust? In his hands you are safe and secure. Today, tomorrow, and all of eternity. His word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a hope and a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Isn't it good to know that Jesus listens? Isn't it good to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life? Man, you ever feel like nobody listens to you? Nobody pays any attention to you? Nobody's there for you? Well, Jesus is there for you. He listens to you. Teenager, you may think nobody else cares. Nobody listens to you. He'll listen to you. He won't grow tired of those conversations. Every one of us needs Jesus' help. Amen? And then finally, the last letter is in. Now is the time to respond. I could... How many in here tend to be a procrastinator? Believe it or not, your pastor tends to be a procrastinator, okay? My wife says, Mo, can you... And I'm like, baby, I'll get to it. 
Okay? Can anybody else relate? I I tend to procrastinate. Sean, I'll get to that. Yeah, I'm going to do it. We all have some procrastinators, huh? Believe it or not, sometimes procrastination can be a good thing. I remember when I pastored in Desalmonds, we had an old shed that we'd been talking about in board meetings of tearing down, okay? You ever had those things, Brother Rick, in a board meeting? They just keep coming up. It's like, when are we going to tear that down? Like Brother Whitten and palm trees. When are we going to cut them things down, okay? When, when are we going to do that? Well, we just kept talking about it. Never really did anything about it. Then a little, a little storm came by by the name of Katrina. Anybody ever heard of that thing? <laughs> okay? That storm came through, and we were on the west side of the storm, so we didn't get any flooding, but we got some pretty good wind, and, and it tore that shed down for us. Okay? Well, when the insurance came, they, they're, they're doing their, uh, their, their, you know, all that stuff, and we had a few little roof problems, little small things, and, and, and the guy just looked over there in the field and said, what's all that damage? I said, oh, that was nothing, just an old shed. Did that get destroyed by the storm? I said, yeah, it did. He goes, well, we're going to have to pay you for it. Really? <laughs> well, let's go see. So we walk over there and says, you're going to love this. He did all his little dimensions and he said, Reverend, do you think $20,000 would be appropriate for, for, for this shed? Good answer. Yes, yes, I think we're good with that, okay? So believe it or not, because we procrastinated and did nothing with that stupid little shed down there, we got paid $20,000 that covered our deductible and allowed us to buy a brand new digital sign. So when you pass through that little community of Desalmonds and you see a little church on the left with a cool little digital sign, just say, procrastination pays. Now, guys, I had to rack my brain to think of that one story, okay? Because there's a hundred others where procrastination is not your best course of action. Teenagers, when your parents ask you to do something, procrastination will get you in trouble. Husbands, when your wife asks you to do something, procrastination is not a good idea. And every wife would say, amen. Procrastination is not a good idea most of the time. Most of the time, procrastination is not the thing to do. We tend to put off taking our health back. We put off mending that relationship, that broken relationship. We put off saying, I'm sorry or forgive me. We put off those things. As Pastor Tommy comes this morning, I read a quote this week on procrastination. It says this, Only put off until tomorrow what you're willing to die having left undone. Let that sink in. I'll be honest, I'm okay dying without putting the trash out. I'm okay dying without painting the back of the house. That's what I got Mario for. I'm I'm okay dying without picking up my shoes, okay? But there are some things that aren't worth procrastinating. Only put off until tomorrow what you are willing to die having left undone. Guys, let's talk about spiritual matters for a moment. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, it is not wise and it is certainly not worth procrastinating any longer. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, and I close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, Paul uh, is pretty adamant when he says, Today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now, say now, 
Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see, friends, now is the time to respond. 